Frontier Gentlemen, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the New Territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentlemen. Around Dodge City and in the territory out west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. And now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind. There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this morning. OCR Now, here is OCR Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of Gunsmoke. This episode of Gunsmoke is from May 2nd, 1953, and the episode is entitled Teseda. Now, Teseda is a Spanish name. That's the name of the woman that three men are vying for in the same saloon where Kitty works. And Teseda is an employee of Kitty's. She's new to her job, so she's uneasy about the attention she is getting from these three men. But these three men are fighting over her attentions, and Matt Dillon has been called in to keep the peace. One thing that you have to remember during the 1870s, out west of the Mississippi, a lot of laws hadn't been established yet because there weren't a lot of people living out west. Most everyone was living in the east, and many laws were established in the east before they ever took hold in the West. So that means that Matt Dillon, as a U.S. Marshal, has to kind of walk a thin line, but he also has to protect the people in Dodge that he's been assigned to. Matt Dillon is bound and determined that he's going to enforce whatever precedent he wants to in this town. So he has to make things up as he goes along to keep people safe and secure. And that is the main job of Matt Dillon. And so in many cases, there aren't laws to support Matt's feelings about a specific situation. But Matt, I believe, does very well. So in this case, three men's fancy lightly turns to the thoughts of Teseda. Let's see what Matt Dillon does. had her hog the whole evening. And that ain't fair, and that's all. <laughs> What's funny, Marshal? You sound like a man of the church social. I'm trying to be peaceable about it, that's all. I've seen you when you didn't try, Horn. What are you looking for, an excuse to work this man into a gunfight? Yeah, he sure is, Marshal. I ain't going to take much more from him or Watson either. What's the real trouble between you? There's no trouble, Marshal. We just want to dance with that girl. That's all. Mm. Chester. You got a great way of handling things is all I can say. What is it, Mr. Dillon? Take their guns, Chester. Oh, no, you don't. Shut up, Watson. Are you going to let them do that? We ain't looking for trouble. Uh, You're smarter than I figured, Horn. Now, Matt firmly believes that he handled this situation very well by taking their guns away from them. Let's find out more. So, I thought I'd been pretty smart. Until the next morning. I was just crossing the plaza when I ran into 
Brother Kitty and Chester. Matt, we've been trying to find you. Oh, what's the matter, Kitty? Mr. Seder, I don't know where she is. What? I looked in her room this morning and she'd gone. So now Matt has to find out what happened to Teseda and try and get her back from wherever she is. So enjoy this episode of Gunsmoke. And after that is Frontier Gentlemen. Hey everyone, it's OTR Rob, welcoming you to another edition of The Frontier Gentlemen. This episode is from May 5th, 1958, and J.B. Kendall has found another local newspaper man to pal around with, and they're going to have lunch together, which I thought was very smart of the writers and also of the character J.B. Kendall to be in a strange country, but still get the lay of the land by talking to a newspaper reporter, and that's what J.B. Kendall has done. And the newspaper man is going to introduce J.B. Kendall to Buck Wharton, the richest man in the West. And Buck Wharton is played by Parley Bear. And believe me, this is going to be a tremendous eye-opener to J.B. Kendall. Afternoon, Jasper. Buck Wharton here. Yes, sir. He's in the bar. Fine. Uh, uh, this is Mr. Kendall. He's going to have lunch with me. Yes, sir. That's fine. I'll get you a table, sir. Why don't we go in the bar, Kendall? Make any kind of a drink you want. Even a cocktail. Though I wouldn't advise it if you drink with old Buck. He, he's a red-eye man himself. No, that's a little too early for me. But I'd like to meet Mr. Wharton. If he's in the mood. Sure. Uh, don't mind the way he talks. Sometimes he gets a little... Well, you'll see. Oh, I said, listen to me, you jerk-down little organ pudding foot. I can buy you and your whole shirt-tail outfit, and it wouldn't mean no more to me than spit. Why, man, I own Texas. I own Texas. That's what I said, boy. <laughs> buy them out or stomp them out. That's the way I made my money. Now, you boys take my advice. If they won't sell to you, just stomp on them. Just stomp on them. Yes, sir. So enjoy this episode of Frontier Gentlemen with Parley Bear as Buck Warden, and I'll be back next week. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Mr. Dillon, I never saw a street like that. Huh? What do you mean, Chester? Dusty, sir. Just plain dusty. 
It's only spring, and already the plaza's just vulgar with dust. <laughs> Streets in Texas are all grass, Chester? No, sir, but they're better than this. You'd think there'd be some way of fixing it. Well, Dodger's growing, Chester. Maybe someday it won't look so bad to you. <laughs> I don't aim to live that long, sir. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got that much figured out anyway. I surely have. Oh, now, wait, that's not what I meant either. <laughs> don't let it worry you, Chester. Would you get those posters down to Mr. Hightower? Yes, sir. He said they'll be ready about noon tomorrow. All right. Pick them up then, will you? Yes, sir. Hey, oh, my goodness, Mr. Dillon, I nearly forgot. No? Well, forgot after, what? after I left Mr. Hightower's, I thought I'd just take a glass of beer. I had to get all that dust out of my throat. You know how bad it is walking around knee-deep in that stuff, and I was yeah, yeah. Uh, coughing. Yeah, yeah. All right, Chester. Well, what is it you forgot? Well, sir, I dropped into the Texas Trail, and Miss Kitty was there, and she said she thinks there might be trouble over there before long, and she said to tell you. Oh? What kind of trouble? Oh, the usual thing. Some man fighting over girl. Well, you don't seem to be very worried about it. I'm tired of people fighting. I wish they'd all just go away somewheres and kill each other off and have done with it. <laughs> That'd be fine as long as they don't do it in Dodge. Well, come on, Chester. Let's go over and see what it's all about. Tessada's a new girl, Matt. She's shy as a flower. I don't know what she's doing here anyway. How do you know the name of the man? Dorgan, he says. I tried to get her away from him, but I... I... I think she's too scared. Yeah. Well, maybe she likes him. Did you ever think of that? <laughs> I hope not. Anyway, he won't let anyone else dance with her. Those two over at the bar near Chester there. They've tried twice. Yeah, I know one of those men. The tall one. His name's Horn. Who is he? Yeah, he's a gunman. <laughs> Pretty fast, too, so I've heard. Well, I was over there with to say the last time they came up, and... Somehow, from the way they talked, I got the feeling they're more interested in Dorgan than her. Oh, you mean they're trying to draw him into a fight? That's my guess, Matt. All right, Kitty. I'll see what I can do. Uh, Miss Deseda? Yes? I'm Matt Dillon. I'd uh, be proud if you'd dance with me. Well, I... I don't think I'd better... I... Now, go ahead to say it. It's all right. You can dance with him. Mr. Dorgan, you told those others that I could... Hello, yeah. Marshal. Uh, hello, Horn. This here is Watson. Howdy, Marshal. How are you? Uh, what's on your mind, Horn? He just wanted to let you know, Marshal, if there's any trouble here, we ain't responsible. Leave me alone, there won't be any trouble. All we want, Marshal, is our turn with the girl here, and Dorgan's had her hog the whole evening. And that ain't fair, and that's all. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny, Marshal? Now you sound like a man of the church social. I'm trying to be peaceable about it, that's all. I've seen you when you didn't try, Horn. What are you looking for, an excuse to work this man into a gunfight? Yeah, he sure is, Marshal. And I ain't gonna take much more from him or Watson either. What's the real trouble between you? Well, there's no trouble, Marshal. We just want to dance with that girl. That's all. Mm-hmm. You want to tell me, Dorgan? 
Nothing, Marshal, nothing. All right. Deseda. Yes, sir. Uh, go over there and sit with Kitty, will you? Now, wait a minute, Marshal. Deseda's my girl. I've been buying her drinks. She's staying right here. Go ahead, Deseda. Go on over with Kitty. I, I don't know which one... You just go, Deseda. Nobody will stop you. Well, all right, then. Thank you for the drinks, Mr. Dorgan. Go on, beat it. Chester. You got a great way of handling things is all I can say. What is it, Mr. Dillon? Take their guns, Chester. Oh, no, you don't. Shut up, Watson. Well, you gonna let them do that? We ain't looking for trouble. Uh, You're smarter than I figured, Horn. (laughs) Uh, Am I, Marshal? Get him, Chester. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Your guns will be at the jail. You can pick them up in the morning when you leave town. Leave town? All three of you. Good night, gentlemen. Taking his gun from a man like Horn was the fastest way in the world to get him out of the saloons and off the streets and behind cover somewhere. There were too many men who might show up out of his past and suddenly make their claim on him. And Horn was the one that really mattered. Neither Dorgan or Watson looked like real gunmen. So I thought I'd been pretty smart. Till the next morning. I was just crossing the plaza when I ran into Kitty and Chester. Matt. Matt. We've been trying to find you. Oh, what's the matter, Kitty? It's to Seda. I don't know where she is. What? I looked in her room this morning and she'd gone. Nobody's seen her anywhere. Well, maybe she went out to buy some clothes or something. Oh, she was afraid to go out alone. I always had to go with her. I just know something's happened to her. Oh, like what? Dorgan. He was real sweet on her, Matt, and I don't trust him at all. Oh? Dorgan come by the office real early, Mr. Dillon. I gave him his gun, and he vamoosed. He was in a big hurry to go someplace. And I told him to leave town this morning. Well, you didn't tell him to take the Sato with him. Uh, did they get back together last night? Sure. Just as soon as Horn and Watson left. I couldn't stop it. Yeah, I see. Uh, tell me, Kitty, can she ride? Oh, no. I asked her to go out with me once. All right. There was a stage west this morning. Go see if they got on it, will you, Chester? All right, sir. Kitty, if she did leave with Dorgan, maybe it's because she wanted to. Oh, maybe. She wouldn't say anything about him last night, one way or the other. I told you, I think she's afraid of him, Matt, but even if she did want to go... Well, she isn't his kind, that's all. Well, that may be, Kitty, but it's not the law's job to chaperone every girl that hits Dodge. What if she didn't want to go, Matt? What if he forced her to? Well, that'd be different. A whole lot different. You bet it would. They was on it, Mr. Dillon. The agent described them exactly. Left an hour ago, right on time. I knew it. I knew it. Uh, will I get our horses, sir? No, no. Wait a minute, Chester. Dorgan might put up a fight, and if he does, we can't shoot around that girl. Well, then how can you stop him, Matt? Well, somehow I don't figure Dorgan is a really brave man. I think we can bluff him. He might try to fight two of us, but if there were more, say, maybe a dozen men, why... You mean we'll take a posse? Yeah, well, this time it might just work, Chester. But I'll pick them. Men I can trust not to do any hasty shooting. Uh, Chester, you go round up uh, Arnold Winters and uh, uh, John Kemp, Marty Walter and Bob Gast, and uh, I'll get the rest of them. All right, sir. And tell them we'll all meet at the jail in 20 minutes. 
here, Mr. Dillon. All right, I'm coming, Chester. All right, men. All right, listen to me now. Now, I've picked you men because I know that you're steady. Every one of you. Now, there's a girl on that stage, and whatever happens, we can't return fire. Is that clear? Yeah. Sure. All right. I'll figure out how we're going to stop them when we get there. Marshal! Well, what are you doing here? Hold it. Marshal, me and Watson heard you needed help. Thought I told you to get out of town, Horn. We just want to be sure you got Dorgan before we left, Marshal. I don't need your help. And don't you be here when I get back, either one of you. How do you like that, Watson? All right, men. All right, let's go. Coming, Mr. Dillon. All right, Chester. Men, spread out in a half circle. When the stage comes out of those cottonwoods, Chester and I'll ride forward and stop her. And then you close in around us. We got it. All right, let's go. What's the matter, Marshal? It's all right, Jim. I just want to talk to a couple of your passengers. You, Dorgan, come on out. You try anything to say to be right in front of me, Marshal? I figured that, Dorgan. Come on out anyway. All right, to say to get out. You stand right here to say and don't move. And what's on your mind, Marshal? I want to know if Tasseda's here because she wants to be. That's all. Tell him, Tasseda. Right, tell him. Just tell me the truth, Tasseda. If you want to go with him, you may. But if he's forcing you to go, then we're here to take you back to Dodge. You wouldn't want her death on what? your conscience, would you, Marshal? Oh, no, please don't kill me. I'll tell him. I... I came because I wanted to. There. <laughs> That's a good answer to say to And go on back to Dodge and leave us alone. I guess you didn't hear the same thing I did, Dorgan. I'm warning you, You Marshal. haven't got a chance. How long do you think you can use her for cover? Now, I got 12 men here, Dorgan, and we'll follow you from here to California if necessary. Isn't that right, men? And if she should get killed, I'll just let you imagine what we'll do to you. Now, you drop your gun belt right where you are and step forward. And do it now. Hmm. All right, get his gun, Chester. Yes, sir. All right, one of you men get rid of your guns and put Dorgan up behind you. Mr. Dillon, what are we going to do with Tessita? She can't ride anyway, especially in those clothes. Well... The Bledsoe place is a couple of miles from here. Uh, go over there and borrow their buckboard, Chester, and for your trouble, we'll let you drive her back to town. Yes, sir. My. Well, you wait right here, Mr. Seda, and I'll be back in no time at all. 
from Mr. Dillon. Oh, Chester. Uh, what time did you get back with Tosedo last night, Chester? <laughs> oh, no, a buckboard ain't like a horse. You can't drive it a lope all the way. <laughs> That's all right, Chester. Well, what have you got there? Here, Dorgan's breakfast. Well, you'll probably have to wake him up. He hasn't made a sound so far. Oh, there are the keys on the desk. Yes, Mr. Dillon? Yeah. Come here, quick. What? Open the cell, Chester. Hurry. He might still be alive. I got a knife. All right. Cut him free. I'll hold it. been dead a long time. Now, who'd have thought he'd go hang himself? He didn't, Chester. What? There's no rope in his cell. Somebody called him over here to the window, knocked him in the head and slipped the rope around his neck and tied him tight to the bars. This isn't suicide, it's murder. Horn. Horn and that fellow Watson, they did it. Well, they're the only ones I know who've been wanting him dead. Will we go arrest him? Yeah, they just go free again. I got no evidence the court would accept. I'll bet those two don't think any more of strangling a man than shooting a wolf and throwing his skin over a fence. Yeah, they're killers, Chester. But right now they got nobody to kill. Except maybe me. Return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, make sure you're by your radio this Monday evening for CBS Radio's Monday evening dramatic shows. The Lux Radio Theater and Suspense are putting on two of their top shows of the season. Suspense has a new writer, William Shakespeare by name, and they're staging his wonderful tale of love, vengeance, and murder, Othello, with Richard Widmark as the star. And our Lux Radio Theater is bringing you the charming nostalgic story, Wait Till the Sun Shines Nelly, with David Wayne and Gene Peters in their original movie roles. It's a date Monday night. Suspense and the Lux Radio Theater on most of these same stations. Now the second act of Gunsmoke. When I found out that Horn and Watson were still in Dodge, I figured that they were probably waiting for me to run them out. And that they'd be glad for the excuse if I did, leaving Dorgan's murder behind them. Instead, I did nothing and I said nothing, hoping it would sand their nerves some, maybe drive them to a bottle and some loose talk. That night, pretending there was nothing in the world on our minds, Chester and I walked into the Texas Trail. Sure is crowded tonight, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Say, there's the Seda. See her? You're like a fall hog after ripe acorns, Chester. Well, now, my gracious, it wouldn't be polite for me not to say hello, would it? <laughs> I'll see you later. Oh, 
Uh, that fellow who just left, is he coming back, Kitty? <laughs> he went broke. <laughs> Sit down, man. Uh. You drinking? No, not tonight. Huh? Expecting trouble, huh? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Look at Chester and DeSater there. I sure wish this place were quieter. I'd give anything to know what they're saying. It may get noisier. What? Look over there. Watson just came in. Oh. Say, he's drunk, Matt. He's real drunk. Yeah. He's just gonna start trouble again. Look, he spotted Tesada. I don't see Horn. Oh, Horn hasn't been in tonight. I said I was gonna dance with her. You're a local drunk. Watch him get out of here and leave the lady alone. <laughs> what lady? You take that back. Matt. Are you from Texas, mister? Yeah. Yes, I am. Well, now, if I was from Texas, I'd certainly keep it to myself. You're wrong, Watson. There's a lot of good, decent people in Texas. Maybe, since you left. It's a wonder you can even get a woman like this. Don't you be judging the people of Texas. Matt! All right, get out of the way. Let me through here. He, he drew on me, Mr. Dillon. I, I was only going to fight him. I didn't think he'd draw. Everybody saw it, Chester. He had his gun out first. I shot him twice. He didn't even fire. How come he didn't kill now me? Now, take it easy, Chester. To say to go get him a drink, will you? Yes, sir, I do right away. Uh, Watson? Watson? Little Texas fella. He shot me. Watson. Watson, listen to me. Did you strangle Dorgan? Dorgan. We killed him. Me and Horn. Right in jail. There it comes. If I take Horn alive, I'll call on some of you men as witnesses to Watson's confession here. Well, uh, a couple of you take him out back. Chester, you all right? You look peaked. I got him a whiskey, sir, just like you said. Drink it down, Chester. Mr. Dillon? Yeah. Mr. Dillon, if he hadn't have been drunk, I couldn't have shot him. Well, that may be, Chester. But don't forget one thing. Drunk as he was, he drew to kill you. And if you'd given him another second, he would have. You had to shoot him. It was self-defense, pure and simple. Yes, sir. That's sure true, but I... Now, you stay here for a while. I'll be out in the plaza. To say this, get me one more drink. 
Word of the gunfight would spread fast and dodge. And the word of the dying man's confession even faster. Wherever Horn was, I knew he'd hear about it. And since he was a gunman of an entirely different breed from men like Watson and Dorgan, it could be depended on that instead of running, he'd shoot it out with me. It was a simple matter of vanity, and there was no way to stop him. The only thing I could do was wait. Expectantly, the plaza cleared. But before Horn showed up, Chester came out of the Texas Trail and walked over to me. Mr. Dillon? Are you all right now, Chester? I'm fine. But say, I just heard that Horn's gone and got himself a shotgun. Now, is that so? You can't meet him like this. I'll go get you one out of the office. No. But, Mr. Dillon, a shotgun. I know. But if Horn's done that, he's lost his nerve. It means he can't face me any other way. Yeah, but you haven't got a chance against a shotgun. Well, we'll soon find out. There he comes. Oh. He does have a shotgun, Mr. Dillon. All right, get off the street, Chester. I don't like leaving. Go on. Yes, sir. Evening, Marshal. Now you're well armed, Horn. Yeah, ain't I? This is the first time, isn't it? First time what? You had to get behind a shotgun? I ain't taking no chances, Marshal. Sure. But from what I've heard, that never bothered you before. Meaning? You're fast enough with a six-gun to have lived this long, Horn. He must be pretty good. But you're through now. You've lost your nerve. You're not a gunman anymore. You're just ordinary dirt common. That's enough of that. I could find a dozen men like you in any saloon in town. It was different before, Horn. You kind of stood out a little. Nobody's going to worry about you after this. You think not? You think I need this shotgun? Of course you need it. Everybody can see that. I ain't scared of you, Marshal. I ain't scared of no man alive. Talk's cheap. I ain't talking. There now. Ain't got no shotgun. Now don't you tell me I'm scared. You don't have to draw a horn. You can still take your chances in court. You was right, Marshal. I was scared. I ain't no more. Look, I'm giving you a chance. Why don't you take it? Never mind. <laughs> You all right, Mr. Dillon? Yeah. Yeah, Chester. It's 
been a long day. Let's go somewhere and try and forget it. Smoke under the direction of Norman McDonald stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was especially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Tom Tully, Lawrence Dobkin, Paul Dubov, and Lillian Bayev. Harley Bear is Chester, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. You have to face facts when you talk about Korea, and the facts are that there are more than 35,000 war orphans in Korea. They not only have no parents, but they have no shelter, no warm clothing, no food. They are not responsible for their condition, and some of them can remember no other. Their government tries to help, but the best it can do is a cup or two of rice a day for each. Other Korean war refugees cannot shelter them. Often they can hardly care for their own children. Because these orphans have not had food and have been exposed to all kinds of weather, many of them have tuberculosis. They are all weak from hunger and an easy prey to disease. Yet people over there, like the representatives of CARE, the package-sending relief agency, say many of these children can be saved if they get food and clothing now. CARE has stockpiles over there. An order or contribution will send them to those most in need. Package delivery is guaranteed. To save the kids of Korea, send a contribution to your local CARE office or to CARE New York or CARE Los Angeles. Some people wake up like this. And some people wake up like this. Come on, you lazy bum. Get out of that sack. But nine million people prefer to wake up to music, to a breakfast symphony, a popular singer, or news. Because nine million people have clock radios that turn themselves on in the morning. How do you like to wake up? America now wakes up to nine million clock radios and listens most to the CBS radio network. Cheyenne, I met the richest man in the West. I also met Willie Ringo and was given a railroad train. This is how it happened.
Frontier Gentlemen. Herewith, an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. In just one minute, we will bring you this latest report from The Frontier Gentleman. I'm Irma Dutro, color stylist for O'Brien Paints. Our musical theme hardly needs introduction. Just as the many instruments blend into this symphony, so O'Brien blends many pigments into the newest fashion right colors for your home, giving more color per color. We have selected O'Brien's exciting new colors of the year after consulting many leading decorators and home furnishings experts of the country. And because all these colors are decorator approved, you are assured of rich, authentic new colors for your own home. Your nearest O'Brien paint dealer, listed in the yellow pages of your phone book, has a free color chip folder for you. He'll help you select O'Brien paints in these exclusive new colors of the year for both inside and outside your home. Stop in and see him soon. Now, starring John Daner. This is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. Cheyenne, Wyoming Territory. Here, for the first time in months, I have seen a railroad once again, and here I have had my first glimpse of the capital of a vast cattle-ranching area. The town itself is a sprawling maze of streets, thriving business establishments. One feels a vitality which springs in no small part from the presence of that slender but tough link between east and west, the railroad. Two days after my arrival, I met a gentleman by the name of Kerry Chase. He was editor and owner of the Daily Press and insisted that I join him for lunch at the Cheyenne Club. There's probably more Englishmen at the Cheyenne Club than you'll find in the rest of the country. Oh, really? Sure. I tell you, Kendall, this cattle business is the biggest thing that's hit the West. Bigger than all your mining. Lots of English money in it, too. And your countrymen are over here to protect their investments. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, Mr. Chase, I didn't come to Cheyenne to write about my countrymen. I'm here to write about yours. Well, you'll meet all kinds at the club. If you're lucky, you might get to see Buck Wharton. Guess you heard of him. No, I don't think I have. Just about the richest man in the West. They say he's worth ten million, and that's just from cattle. Yeah, he'd make a fine story for you. Of course, it depends on whether he likes you or not. Got to get him in the right mood. Real important man in these parts, I tell you. Young man? <laughs> Buck Wharton, 75 of his a day. Claims to be 60, but don't you believe it. Wicked old devil. Married to the prettiest little thing you ever saw. Little Minnie. Say, he found her in Denver. She was a dancer in a traveling theatrical show. 
Buck took one look at her and the dance she was doing and married her the next day. <laughs> That's how the story goes. Do they both live in Cheyenne? On and off. She's here with him now. Oh, here we are. Afternoon, Mr. Chase. Afternoon, Jasper. Buck Wharton here? Yes, yeah, sir. He's in the bar. Fine. I, I, this is Mr. Kendall. He's going to have lunch with me. Yes, sir. That's fine. I'll get you a table, sir. Why don't we go in the bar, Kendall? Make any kind of a drink you want. Even a cocktail. Though I wouldn't advise it if you drink with old Buck. He, he's a red-eye man himself. No, that's a little too early for me. But I'd like to meet Mr. Wharton. If he's in the mood. Sure. Uh, don't mind the way he talks. Sometimes he gets a little... Well, you'll see. So I said, listen to me, you jerk down little organ pudding foot. I can buy you and your whole shirt tail outfit, and it wouldn't mean no more to me than spit. Why, man, I own Texas. I own Texas. That's what I said, boys. <laughs> buy them out or stomp them out. That's the way I made my money. Now, you boys take my advice. If they won't sell to you, just stomp on them. Just stomp on them. Yes, sir. Hello, boys. Buck? I'd like you to meet J.B. Kendall, correspondent for the London Times. Gentlemen? I'm Buck Wharton, mister, and there's two things I hate. Sod busters and sheep punchers. And if you're either one of them, get out of my sight. He writes for the London Times, Buck. Who asked you, Chase? You got more lip than a muley cow. Ain't nothing I hate worse than a leaky mouth. Sit down, mister. I reckon you want to ask me how come I'm the richest son of a gun in the West. All right, boys. This is a private party. Roll your wheel. Go on, get it. Sit down. Sit down. You too, Chase. Sit down. What you boys drinking? Whiskey. No, nothing for me. Thank you. Listen to me, boy. I ain't never yet trusted a man who don't drink. There's something all fired wrong. man who don't drink drags a long loop. Jasper! Yes, three whiskeys! Yes, sir. Candle your name, huh? Right. Well, I don't mind doing business with you English fellas. Takes you a long time to talk turkey, though. Now, you take them range pirates who's just sitting here. They ain't cattlemen. I, I, I can buy and sell them a hundred times. Um, cattlemen. Have you been in the cattle business all your life, Mr. Wharton? Have I been in the... Listen to me, boy. I, I was one of the first ever to drive a herd up in the border into Dodge. Gosh, I, I wasn't nothing but a saddle stiff in them days, but after a while, I got tired of working for somebody else. Started out on my own, all by myself. Bought me a herd of kettle-bellied critters and run them up to Abilene. Made enough from them to buy me a bigger herd. Shy, I was a made man, yes, sir. Oh, here are your whiskeys, Mr. Buckson. Leave the bottle, leave the bottle. You got your varmint? Yes, sir. Anything else, Jim? Vamoose, boy, vamoose. Yes, sir. You, you, you listen to what I tell you, Kendall. I got me a hundred thousand head down Texas way. Anybody wants to buy from me? They want to buy from me, they come down and drive them up to Cheyenne theirself. That way I sell them before the fat comes off them, you see there? Before the fat comes off. It makes sense. What? Sure it makes sense. Sure, you ain't drinking. No. <laughs> Thank you very much. Never before lunch. Look here. It ain't every man who gets to drink with Buck Wharton. I, I can't tell you how honored I am. 
Well, no, that's all right, boy. I, I like you. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You you doing anything this afternoon? Not particularly. All right, then you take a ride with me and little men over to Laramie. Laramie? But that's 50 miles from here, isn't it? Well, sure. A couple hours is all. Oh, oh, you mean on the train. That's right, on the train. I got a little business over in Laramie. There's a fella there needs stomping on. I got to meet little men for dinner now. You'll be at the railroad station at 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock, you hear me? Hey, Chase, you ain't paid for them drinks. Well, no, I... That's all right, pay for them. Buck Wharton had all the finesse of a ton of coal. But at the same time, the old reprobate fascinated me. And so, promptly at two o'clock, I found myself waiting at the railroad station. On a siding was an engine and one car. You be waiting here at seven. Seven, you hear me, boy? Hey, Kendall! Kendall, this here's a little man. Me and say hello to Kendall. Mr. Kendall, Mrs. hello. Wharton. Buck told me you was coming with us. I think it's just fine. Have you ever rode an engine before, Kendall? No. Well, you're going to today. <laughs> well, I've always wanted to. Boy, when you're with Buck Wharton, you do what you've always wanted to do. That's because I could buy and sell any jughead in this whole territory. Buck owns part of the railroad, don't you, honey? Yeah, and before I'm through, I'm going to own all of it. Me and you ride in the car. I don't want you getting no cinders and dust on that there new dress. <laughs> Set me back $300, that dress did. Kendall, $300. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. I'm glad you like it. Yes, y'all fired up, Hank. Yes, sir, Miss Warden. You go ahead back in the car now, honey. We'll see you in Laramie. All right, honey. Now, you drive careful now. Uh, you... You own this train, Mr. Wharton? Well, of course I own it, but I'm a rich man. A rich man. Kendall, you you call me Buck. You got a handle? Yes, J.B. Well, then let's get on this iron horse, J.B. Afternoon, Mr. Wharton. Hank, this is J.B. Uh, nice to make your acquaintance. You got Hank. them rifles? Yes, sir. Yeah, gold darn buffalo, J.B. The cussed things stray all over the tracks. Heard of them knocked the engine off the rails one time. You remember that, Hank? <laughs> yeah, sure do, Mr. Wharton. <laughs> well, let's get started, boy. Hey, J.B., you want to blow the whistle? Oh, I'd be delighted to. I rope go ahead there. I'll take the throttle. You fire, Hank. Yeah. Hey, did you telegraph through to Laramie to make sure there ain't no other train in my way and coming at us? I sure did, Mr. Wharton. All right. Blow it, Thunder Boy! Oh? 
Why the bridge? Where's the highest in the world? What? It's the brakes. Something on the track. Something on the track. There's a boulder. Uh, about, about if you come over to this side, you'll see. Somewhere done. Bushwhacked! All right. You all climb down out of there. Me and the boys got you covered. Good. And you all try something, and there are going to be windows in your skull. In a moment, we return to Frontier Gentlemen. In fiction, one of the things we enjoy most is the building up of suspense as to the outcome. Every Sunday, CBS Radio brings you a story in which this uncertainty accumulates until the final smashing climax of suspense. Let this reminder serve as an invitation to listen later today as suspense comes to you over most of these CBS radio stations. After that, you'll need no reminder that every Sunday, CBS Radio brings you another thrilling tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. And now, we return you to Anthony Ellis' production of Frontier Gentlemen. fellas carrying shooting irons. What do you mean by this? Listen here, boy. You know who I am. No, I don't know who you are, old-timer. Who are you? I'm Buck Horton. That's who I am. Well, I declare. They say you got more money than a yellow dog got, please. I'm proud to meet up with you, Mr. Wharton. Now, you know who I am? You're a churned-ass calf who ain't got no better sense I'm Willie Ringo. If you don't shut that flannel mouth of you, and I'm going to cut out your tongue. Who are you? Um, uh, uh, Hank Marble. And you? J.B. Kendall. I see. What you all carrying in a railroad car? Nothing. We're on our way to Laramie. Pharaoh? Yeah, Willie. You take two of the boys. See what's in that railroad car. Sure, Willie. Now, Mr. Wharton, just how much money as you can? Listen to me, boy. If you think I'm going to give you any of my money, you're a thinker's puner, and I figure. Don't you get me on the prod now, you old duffer. Old duffer? Old duffer? Why, you goslin' chin young squirt. You ought to be playing with a string of spools. Just a sawed-off bucket, doggy, that's all you I'll leave him lay, mister. Mrs. Wharton, he's all right. Oh, no, he ain't. What did you do to him? I put a knot in his head. Wow. You mean a filly like you is that old dog's wife? I sure am, Sonny. Lady, don't you never call me Sonny. 
You hear? Hey, Willie, let's get out of here. There ain't nothing in the car. We can move up the line and wait for the next one. Shut your mouth, Hell. We got plenty of time. Besides, I got an idea there's good diggings right here. Al, Frank, you pick up that old man and put him in the car. Then you get that boulder off that track, too. What are you going to do with him? Why, ma'am, he's so rich that I figure I could convince him to part with some of his money. Uh, you, mister, what'd you say your name was? I said my name was Kendall. I see. All right, you and this engine driver, you get back on that thing. Pharaoh, stay with him. You see, they keep a good head of steam up. Soon as Mr. Wharton's agreeable, we'll start for Laramie. Uh, you come with me, little lady. No, I won't. You get... Let's go. All right. Stand over there, both of you. This thing got enough steam, like Willie says? Uh, for a while. You want to stay alive. You see, it keeps that way. Where are the rifles Buck was talking about when we left Cheyenne? Up there. Yeah, I haven't seen him. Is he up there on the rack? Uh, loaded? Yeah. When do you have to throw on more wood? A uh, few minutes. We'll wait. Get some wood on. The fire's going down. Go ahead. <clears throat> I'll help. No. It's better with two. Fire goes down pretty quick. All right. Watch yourself. While I'm loading the firebox, you put it in reverse and open up the throttle. We'll get them off balance. Back up all the way to shine. Yes. If he comes to, hit him again. All right. You take his gun. I'll use one of the rifles. Hey, listen, I can't see so good going backwards like this. Don't worry about it. We could back right in another train. There's one bound this way out of Cheyenne in a while. We'll meet it. Listen. Is there any way for me to go back to the carriage? Well, you can crawl over the tender. You better not, though. I can try. I started to crawl over the wood-loaded tender toward the carriage. The little train jumping, rocking over the uneven rails. Hey! It was a sudden lurch that saved me. The bullet struck a log beside my arm. I felt a splinter tear my cheek, and I fired back. I hit one of them, saw him fall off the carriage platform. Then Willie Ringo darted back inside. 
I made a jump for the platform. And there were two of them inside now. I stood to the side of the open door and waited. There. Hey, Kendall! Kendall! What is it? You stop the train. I'll make a deal with you. You throw out your guns. How do I know you won't come in and shoot? You don't. I'll kill the old man and the girl. It won't do you any good. You'll die for it. Kendall! Kendall, it's your bus. Listen to me, boy. You gotta stop. There's another train coming toward as I can see it. Ringo, give your guns to Mr. Wharton and I'll stop the train. All right, all right. All right, you better get out of here, Buck. Yes, he's coming up fast. No, no, it's all right. Hank has seen it. Jump, Mr. We're all going to get killed. You stay right where you are, Sonny, or I'll blow out your lamp. tell you, J.B., I, I want to tell you, boy, I, I want to tell you, me and little men here, we owe you a lot. We sure are grateful, Mr. Kendall. Why, you saved our lives. You sure did. Money just can't buy what you've done for us, J.B. Money can't buy what you've done for us, so I ain't going to insult you by offering any. But I, I want to tell you, I stand here, boy, and I tell you, if there's ever anything, and when I say that, I mean anything, anything at all. If there is, you say the word, boy. You hear me? You say the word. He means that, Mr. Kendall. Uh, anything. I, I'm a rich man, J.B., a rich, rich man. I can buy and sell any living man in these parts. Now, boy, don't you be bashful. You just name it. No, you, you don't have to give me anything. Yeah, this train. How about this little train? She's yours, what? boy. She's yours. <laughs> no, no, thanks. Yeah, that company paid for her, and I give her to you, J.B. She <laughs> is yours. But what am I going to do with the train? Sell her back to the company. I'll make them give her to me, and we can split the profit. Now, now that's what you call a business transaction, boy. <laughs> Come on down to the club. I'll let you buy a drink on it. <laughs> Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Parley Bear as Buck Horton, Jack Crucian as Hank, Eddie Firestone as Willie Ringo, Harry Bartell as Carrie Chase, and Virginia Gregg as Min Horton. Sundays on most of these same stations, it's the FBI in Peace and War. Here's drama that pulls no punches, revealing how unsung heroes of the Federal Bureau of Investigation operate to track down criminals and saboteurs. Listen later in the day as the dragnet closes on another public enemy. It's 30 minutes of thrilling, spine-tingling drama on the FBI in Peace and War.
Join us again next week for another report from The Frontier Gentleman. Dan Coverley speaking. <laughs>